You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, I think I'm doing okay for a 15-year-old with a wife and a baby. Back on The Pipeline Show, my name is Gee Flaming. It's a in-the-dub segment. Uh, our good friends uh, at Dub Network uh, sponsor this segment uh, all season long and uh, through the summer as well. Dubnetwork.ca. Keep up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League on a daily basis. You can go to Dubnetwork.ca and get your daily dose of the Western Hockey League. Uh, my guest today to help preview the contra- uh, conference finals in the Western Hockey League is Lucas Pancari, who uh, writes for the Prince Albert Daily Herald covering the mighty Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, Lucas, welcome back to the program. How are you? Well, Guy, I'm still trying to recover from the craziness that was the finish of the OHL second round, but as a whole, <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Yes, I know you have uh, close ties uh, still with the Ontario Hockey League, but you're covering the PA Raiders. They've been the number one ranked team in the entire WHL for uh, pretty much from wire to wire uh, this season, going back to, what, mid-October, I believe it was, uh, where they became the team to beat. Uh, they get through... Uh, Pretty much unscathed in the first round. They have a, a tough battle against Saskatoon in round two, but they win it in six games. And uh, now they take on the Edmonton Oil Kings. Meanwhile, the Oil Kings, uh, they get past uh, Medicine Hat in six games, then sweep the Calgary Hitmen. They've been off for a while. Definitely have their biggest test, though, against the PA Raiders. Let's start with that series before we head out west. Uh, size up this matchup for me. You know the PA Raiders uh, as well as anybody else inside and out. What makes them so good? I think the biggest thing right now is just they're getting contributions from all over the lineup with their depth. You see, in the last series, Dante Canuda stepped up with six goals in the last three games. He came over, of course, in Victoria at the deadline. You have Noah Gregor and Brett Leeson with 12 points each. Sean Montgomery has scored seven goals in 10 playoff games. And even the youngsters that are newer players on the team, Alexei Protas, who's just been ranked pretty high by Central Scouting, has seven points. Ozzy Weisblatt has contributed already. And so, you just see all those guys contributing. It's pretty tough for teams to try and stop that. I mean, Saskatoon did a pretty good job in games three and four with some great goaltending from Nolan Meyer. But when you give them a chance and opportunity, they're going to take advantage. That's what we saw in the last two games. They're able to put a number of goals into the blaze net. So, yeah, I would say definitely the depth. And then if they're struggling, Ian Scott's there to bail them out. 181 goals against average and 977 save percentage. Pretty darn good for a 10-game span. At this time of year, there's a lot of players uh, playing through some bumps and bruises. Uh, when you look at the Raiders, is there anything significant that might keep a player or two out? Well, going into the series, the only guy that is questionable at this point is Cole Fawcett. He got dinged up in Game 4 and missed Games 5 and 6. Uh, and Justin Knockbauer got suspended for a five-minute interference major penalty on Dawson Davidson to hit late in Game 5. So he won't be in the lineup for Friday. Uh, as a result, they brought in uh, AP Cole Nagy, who they uh, signed. Uh, was originally a Moose Warriors draft pick, became a listed player by the Raiders this past year, and Nagy had uh, 65 points in 44 games for the Saskatoon Blazers and Midgets. So he got his first taste of playoff hockey in his hometown on uh, went, on Sunday, I guess would have been now in game six. So uh, at this point, it's kind of wait and see on Fonside if he's ready to go. But again, with the depth and that kind of thing, it's just obviously it's a big loss, but it's not as big as it was, say, like, for example, if Edmonton was missing a Trey Fitzalanski, losing him is obviously a big thing, or Vancouver's missing a bowl environment because of how they are. If a team like the Raiders, obviously it's tough, but you can just mix and match and adapt through those challenges. All right. Fair to say the uh, the Raiders are the favorites. They deserve to be the favorites in the series. They, As I mentioned, they've been the top-ranked team uh, pretty much all season long. They have home ice as well, but there is another team in the series. The Edmonton Oil Kings uh, making short work of the Calgary Hitmen, and uh, most of those games are pretty lopsided. The series against Medicine Hat went six. But again, most of those games 
pretty lopsided in favor of the Oil Kings. Uh, easy to say that this is going to be their biggest. Uh, it's going to be a significant step up in the level of competition to go from Calgary to Prince Albert. But uh, give me an argument of why the Oil Kings can make this a competitive series and uh, potentially could pull off an upset. Well, for starters, they actually, unlike the Saskatoon Blades, have won a game at the Art Hauser Center this year. Uh, back in February, when I think it was a 6-3 game, they actually pulled Ian Scott in that one. So they have that in their back pocket, which helps. And it's not just, I mean, some people may look on the outside, and especially the regular season numbers, like, oh, it's the Trey Fix-Solansky show. But Edmonton's got some decent depth going on as well. Uh, the addition of Andrew Fighting, I think, has helped a lot. Uh, Jake Neighbors, the rookie, is having an excellent playoff so far. And then you also have guys like Quinn Benjafield, uh, Vince Lossky, I on defense, uh, actually was talking with uh, Noah Gregor about this earlier today. You gotta be careful. They're puck moving guys. And a guy like Connor McDonald certainly is that. And I think what helps too is in goaltending right now, the way Dylan Miskew's played, I think that could help a little bit. Saskatoon kind of showed the, uh, what you can do if you have running a hot goaltender, you're able to counterattack the Raiders. You can get away with a win. So if Dylan can continue playing like he can be, um, I think that'll give Edmonton a shot. Now, granted, I'd probably still pick Prince Albert and not just because I work covering the paper here and I want to keep my job in Prince Albert. So obviously I'm going to say the Raiders, but, um, I think it's going to be a, a good test. Wilkins should provide a good challenge. I don't think it's going to be a walkover like some people think it's going to be. Uh, and just for the record, the Oil Kings, uh, went one, two and one against the Raiders this year. The Raiders obviously getting that, uh, overtime. A victory, so their record is three and one against Edmonton. But um, all three points that the Oil Kings got were in PA. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, that the the one victory and the overtime loss uh, all in Prince Albert. Um, all right, let's look at the uh, the other conference and the uh, the Western Conference. Bit of a surprise to see the, the Spokane Chiefs uh, getting through Everett in uh, just five games, uh, and they are taking on the Vancouver Giants, who uh, look like juggernauts against the uh, the Victoria Royals. Size up that matchup for me. Well, if you had told me in September that the Spokane Chiefs would have gotten to this point, I said, yeah, that's probably what I expected because I had them and the Leftbridge Hurricanes going to the league final. With so Lethbridge did I. Winning. Well, that Leftbridge pick didn't work in hindsight, but, you know, that'll happen in, in big-time junior hockey. Um, but, yeah, with Spokane, and we saw them in Prince Albert. I'll start with them first. We saw them in Prince Albert back in October, and there's not much you can take from that. It was a dominant win by the Raiders at the end of the road trip for the Chiefs. Um and Dawson Weatherall was in goal at that point. And Jared Anderson Dole would end up coming back, albeit briefly before his wrist injury, um, shortly after that road trip. So, again, not much you can take from that. But I think what stands out for me, which is now the Chiefs are finally starting to show kind of what I kind of expected them from the start of the season. They got some really good depth up front. We mentioned Jared Anderson Dole already. Eli Zumak, Riley Woods, Adam Beckman's had a great rookie campaign. And a guy I actually got to cover when I worked in North Balford uh, when he played for the Midget AAA team. So really happy to see him performing well. Everybody knows what Ty Smith can do. And the biggest thing is, I think the question mark a lot of people had coming here was, what was the goaltending going to be like? And, I mean, Bailey Birkin, the way he's played, when you beat guys like Joel Hofer and you beat Dustin Wolf, that says a lot. And I think maybe it's a little bit surprised the Chiefs took care of Everett and, spoke, and Portland in five, but I think with what they have, it's going to be good there. Now, with Vancouver, um, they have two top scorers in the league right now, with Davis Koch and Bowen Byram, James Joseph provides a good weapon offensively. So is Tristan Nielsen. Jared Demetrius producing. Uh, Dallas Hines and Seth Buffaro have almost have matched or are nearing halfway through the point totals that they picked up in a limited span during the regular season after coming over in trade. And I think what's really intriguing with them is they've been dueling netminders, Trent Miner and David Tendick, the Arizona prospects. So 
It's going to be a really interesting series um, because I picked Spokane to get to the league final. I'm going with them here. Plus, they just beat Everett <laughs> and um, and Portland. So it's kind of hard to bet against them at this point. And, I mean, we, we saw what happened. Vancouver took care of Victoria, but Seattle gave them a bit of a scare in the first round. And it's kind of wondering, I mean, Victoria is probably the lesser of the four opponents there that each team has faced. So it's interesting for me to see what Vancouver will be like going up against the Spokane side that's, you know, a lot different than it was at the start of the season. It's kind of like what I said about the the Oil Kings and the level of competition they've been playing the last uh, two rounds. It's going to be a, a shock to the system almost to go against Spokane, just like it'll be uh, that way for uh, the Oil Kings against Prince Albert. It might be, and, and I'm, I'm actually predicting a lopsided game in game one for both of these series, just while it takes the one team to kind of raise the level of their play uh, to uh, match their opponent. But uh, you mentioned the, the Vancouver Giants, or you, when you talked about the Spokane Chiefs earlier this year when you saw them in person, it very similar to my feeling about Vancouver. They came through here in Edmonton on uh, New Year's Day. They were without uh, Milos Roman at the time, but they, did, they didn't play well. They were not a good-looking team at all. I was very unimpressed with the Giants, but they've definitely turned it around uh, and looked like a team that um, uh, it's going to take a, a, a complete team effort here from the Chiefs to knock off the Giants, but I think I'm with you. I think I'm picking uh, Spokane in that series as well. Um, give me an argument of why the Giants could win, though. Well, I, I think part of it is you have the dueling Netmeyers and Minor and Tendick. You may have a little bit more trust in them than Bailey Birkin. No offense to what Bailey Birkin's doing. And with Vancouver, I think the depth, too, is what really stands out. I mean, look at the point total so far. Koch is at 14 points. Byram's at 13. Nielsen's at 10. They have a whole bunch of guys of nine points. Dimitri, Dylan Ploop on defense. Lucas Vachowski on uh up front, Jane Joseph has eight points. Owen Hardy, Dawson at seven points. So it's kind of like the Raiders in a sense, where they have a lot of guys that contribute offensively. Maybe, you know, Justin Sorrows only played half the playoff game through the injury, and Milos Rowan only has five points. But when everybody else is contributing, it's kind of hard to kind of key on maybe stopping one or two guys that is to try to stopping three or four guys. I agree with that. Uh, the WHL Bantam draft, all, not all that far away. Uh, of course, the, the big offseason news will be the uh, the moving of the Kootenai Ice to Winnipeg. Um, how does that change things uh, from your perspective? Uh, obviously, a little bit of uh, divisional realignment here with uh, the Ice who will be joining the Eastern uh, Division and the uh, Swift Current Broncos will move back to the uh, the Central Division. How does that sort of change the landscape uh, in the Eastern Conference, in your opinion? Well, I think we'll start off with the Swift current perspective. I, I mean, Swift had a rough year last year, and they have a lot of young pieces, but I think it's going to be tougher for them to move up in the standings next year, going to the Central, where there's going to be some pretty darn good teams there. Calgary and Edmonton especially. Leftbridge still has weapons, but Hat was still pretty solid. Red Deer loses some pieces, but it's still good, as opposed to out in the East, where Regina, I think, looks really rough. And then Moose is obviously going to be losing some pieces. And so I think for Winnipeg, it'll be a good transition there. Um Sounds like sales are going well, so it should be fun. And you have that brand ride, which will be pretty interesting. I actually talked to Prince Albert product, uh, Braden Snyder, about that just before he got announced to the uh, U18 team. I was asking Braden about that. I was like, yeah, we already got that build-in rivalry. We haven't even played a game yet. So that's mm. going to be pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Plus, kind of for selfish reasons, it allows me to see Peyton Krebs, Connor McLennan, and incoming rookie Carson Lambos on a more regular basis. So I'm excited about that for sure, but I'm I'm curious how things are going to play out, especially there, and how, you know, do we start to finally see that improvement as well of all the young talent that Kootenai ha- or has been in Kootenai now going to Winnipeg? Now, tough question to ask when it comes to the draft, but we saw the big trade uh, that um, 
the the ice made to acquire the rights of Carter Savoy, and and Matthew Savoy would be the uh, overwhelming favorite to go number one overall, except for the whole NCAA commitment to, to Denver, which is where Carter's going. So the big move there by the ice and picking up uh, the older brother, hopefully uh, wooing the family and uh, allowing both brothers to go to uh, Winnipeg, that would be a huge coup for the ice. But do you think it works? Uh, do you think uh, you know it's it's obviously a tough question to ask you, but um, in, in you know a month from now, do we see the ice having uh, pulled off the unlikely and uh, getting uh, the Savoys? Well, I think obviously, I think in getting him, you, you set the stage like, all right, you're probably going to draft Matt. And I think what helps um, with Winnipeg is that they also have another pick in the first round because they got uh, one from Red Deer in the uh, trade for Brett Davis and Cam Housinger. So you can take more of the sure thing with that pick if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what also helps as well is because of the way the, um, let's say you're unable to get Matt right away. or Maybe you played a long game and wait until he comes next year. Or maybe there's a situation where you could trade to get something if you're contending. Remember, you, can, you can't trade signed 15-year-olds, but unsigned 15-year-olds you could still trade. So if you wanted to, in the year or two down the line, you could potentially trade the rights to Matt Savoy if you want him to a team that he may want to report to. So, in a sense, it could work out pretty decently for Winnipeg if you're in that situation where you're like, okay, we can't get him, but we can get this. We can trade him, get some picks for maybe the next year, and get an actual roster player in that can help us going forward if you're in a situation next year where maybe you're or the year after we're really contending with the likes of Krebs and McLennan and Lambos. That's a great point. Uh, great point, especially considering the, the second uh, first-round pick that they have. Uh, you've pointed a, a really plausible scenario there. We might see uh, them take a gamble uh, on Savoy and uh, and bank that for the future. That's a, a great point, Lucas. Uh, well, Lucas, I really appreciate your time. The uh, series gets going in Prince Albert on Friday, games one and two in PA, games uh, three and four, in Edmonton on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, are you making the drive? Tuesday, Wednesday, probably not, just because I'm the only sports guy at the paper, so I don't think they'd be too kind of me leaving for three days and leaving without a guy to help out with a layout. Uh, potentially, <laughs> Game 6, we'll kind of play it by ear. Uh, obviously, besides the Raiders, a lot of stuff going on in the community as well, so keep an eye on that. But, yeah, no, we'll have uh, articles up online on the uh, PA Herald website, and then just follow me on Twitter, at Alfoncari, and I'll be live tweeting there. Especially for those of you who are trying to get your tickets to the Art House for Game One and Two, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's already sold out. So um, your best bet may be traveling to Edmonton. I know there's a fan bus for Raiders fans, but by the time this is getting posted online, it's probably already sold out as well. So it's going to be pretty hard to try and get tickets to go see the Raiders here in Prince Albert. But if you go down to Edmonton, you probably have a pretty good shot. Oh, that'd be great to uh, fill the building here. That'd be terrific for sure, uh, and great fan support in PA. Seeing the videos and stuff of. The bus pulling into town after that that series with Sask, dude. That's just fantastic to see a, a town really rallying behind uh, the Raiders like that. Terrific. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time coming, too. This is the, they hadn't won a playoff series since 2005, and they're obviously their best team that they've had here, arguably since the Memorial Cup run in 85. So it's been a pretty exciting time here, and we'll see uh, how everything keeps going here in the next week or two. Excellent. Lucas, really appreciate your time. Talk to you soon. All right, you Take care. Lucas Pancari from the uh, Daily Herald in Prince Albert and uh, told that there are a lot of people who will be uh, traveling to games three and four in Edmonton from northern Saskatchewan uh, because they can't get tickets at the Art Hauser because it's uh, a much smaller barn, obviously, and it's uh, completely sold out. So there's going to be a lot of people who are driving to Edmonton uh, to get tickets, and that's uh, <laughs> that's fantastic because the atmosphere in, at Rogers Centre or Rogers Place, rather, in downtown Edmonton, so far in the playoffs has been not great. 
not really a playoff atmosphere. It's been like a regular season game uh, each time the Oil Kings have played in the postseason. The fans that are there are great. It's just such a big building that uh, it doesn't come across as a terrific atmosphere. So if they pack it with, uh, you know, listen, they've been getting about 6,000 uh, Oil King fans out. If they can bump that up to, you know, 10 and then add two or three more thousand PA fans, oh, that'd be fantastic. So let's hope that that happens and uh, we get much more of a playoff-like atmosphere. Be tough. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, so uh, uh, midweek games, they are always uh, tougher to draw. But, you know, listen, even if we could see like nine or 10,000, uh, that would be a vast improvement. Mind you, you can hear all those games on TSN 1260. Andrew Peard is in uh, Prince Albert getting set uh, for tonight's broadcast. All right, one more segment to go on uh, this week's show. For this one, we are uh, unlocking the vault, a conversation that Dean Millard and I had going way back to 2009 as we spoke with uh, former Edmonton Oiler first-round pick Robbie Shrimp. That's coming up next here on The Pipeline Show. Now near side, White. Far side, Krebs. Wrist shot. Scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai Ice, and this is The Pipeline Show. 